We started with 32 teams. Then, into our group stage went 20 of them, which were filtered down to 8. And then yesterday in the quarterfinals, only 4 remain. And today, one of those 4 will become Joe's official pick for his World Cup team 2018. Let's find out who it's going to be. Joe picks a World Cup team. The state's no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan. Happy, happy Picksgiving. As we guessed, it does feel a little, um, it's a very bittersweet feeling. It's Picksgiving. The first ever Picksgiving, I have my Zebrauka. Oh, wow. I thought about it, but I just, I'm like, I feel so much better than I feel yesterday. I'm like healing and I'm wondering if I should like fuck it up. You know, there's enough Zabrowka running through your system at all times. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress about it. I wouldn't push it. Fair enough, Joe. Although now I'm feeling very jealous. But <laughs> I will save my Zabrowka for another time. I'll save my Zabrowka for watching of the World Cup games, which is going to be starting in... Uh, wow. How about this for um, Kismet? From the recording of this, it's almost exactly 12 hours from now is the opening kickoff. I mean, Dan, that's... the that's right. It is also World Cup Eve. It is. I mean, in all the uh, crushing anxiety of the amount of hours we had to podcast in order to finish this by the World Cup, buried my excitement for the World Cup. And now that the finish line is in sight, I can be excited for the World Cup. I know. It's like the dual excitement because I'm like, oh, I can't wait. The World Cup's on. And that also means no more podcasting. I know. I know. It's, it's amazing. I know. This is, I'm, I'm thrilled, Joe. And uh, I'll tell you, my schedule is all fucked up because I stayed up last night until well past 4 a.m. watching the <laughs> live FIFA Congress to, um, you know, I uploaded the podcast and then we had now, made our bold prediction. Dan, what is the upper chamber of the FIFA Congress called? Um, I, I believe it is just the FIFA Congress, but there is a very funny Men in Blazers tweet. And again, I don't want to just be stealing their jokes, but he's like, uh, you know, everybody's like nervously tweeting and watching this as the run up because it's taking forever. And he's like, it always makes me nervous that this like FIFA Congress looks like one of the like Spectre, like the bad guys in the James Bond films, <laughs> like how they and it is it just looks exactly like that, where, you know, you've got all of these people like down there and then you've got the the guy up front who's you know he's just as easily could be like a super villain i mean he exactly looks the part <laughs> and with fifa it's it's kind of you're both right like any leader of fifa is also kind of a super villain yeah yeah i mean i think this guy's supposed to be the good guy because it is funny because Sepp blatter the former fifa guy 
gets up in front of the FIFA Congress and tells everybody, like, go Morocco, pick the Morocco bid. <laughs> like, like he, he publicly, like, says the United bid is shit and, like, urges everybody to pick the Morocco bid purely Does, does he just spite. hate America? Is that... Well, I mean, I guess we did sort of, like, help take him down with the corruption yeah. scandal. Oh, of course. I mean, his... His intentions make sense, but it's very funny. Whereas this new guy, <laughs> if you watch the Congress as it was as it was going, he just kept reminding them where he's like they're they're talking about the two different things, and he's always like, if the U.S. pick gets made eleven billion dollars in profit, and you know where that's going to go to you guys, and then it's like the Morocco people in their presentation, they were like, look. Football isn't about money. It's about passion. It's about the game. Like, why is everybody so concerned? And look, we're going to make $5 billion anyways. And then right after they go, the guy's like, just keep in mind that one of the bids is going to make $5 billion and the other one is going to make $11 billion. And that means an extra like $20 million for all of your organizations. So he was very strongly pushing the United bid. Yeah. Yeah. And as I read about the outcome... And just, I mean, the sheer amount of, of money involved in how, like, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada bid, which really, I, I mean, now that it's done, can we be honest? They're only getting 10 games. It's basically a U.S. bid wrapped in this veneer of Canada and, and, and Mexico because— And they're only no getting one, group stage games, too. They don't even no get No one likes anything. us right now. Exactly. Yeah. And, again, I'm watching it, and it's just so funny because the United States bid goes up, and they have, like, 15 minutes, and— the first person that gets up and speaks is a Canadian. And then yeah, the yeah. next person that speaks is the Mexican guy. And then I think another, like, Canadian guy speaks. And then, like, the U.S. person, like, it, it's like a shit sandwich where, like, anytime <laughs> the U.S. person says anything, they're immediately sandwiched by, like, a much more likable Mexican <laughs> guy or Canadian guy or, or girl. I, and actually, I think the the uh, woman who did speak was, uh, was a very young uh, soccer player from the U.S. who was, like... You know, yeah. See, that's key. Great move there. Yeah, it was it was good. And then the video was just so funny because the video is all about how diverse the United States is and and how diverse Mexico is and how great this bid is and how this country's so welcoming of people. And then it, I could just imagine like uh, playing this video and then you know juxtaposing it to like Donald Trump being like they're sending us the the bad guys, the rapists. <laughs> And this video just makes America seem like this beautiful, welcoming, happy place when all the rhetoric coming out of the current leadership is like so xenophobic and insulting the ver- the very <laughs> nations. The countries of- you are asking for a vote from right now. No, yeah. no. The, the nations that are in the video with us. Like his, his harshest rhetoric is for Mexico and Canada. It's the worst and then part. I know. In I the know. video, it's like, oh, we're all such friends. We're all united. Oh, but, you know. The video was also the video just mentions the money too. It's just so shameless how the video is just talking about all the money, all the how big the stadiums are, how many people sit in the stadiums. But that's the crazy thing to me. So reading about it afterwards, uh, you know, because I did not stay up, I just read about it um, in the morning. But just with the sheer, because there really is a big difference in the money, and it's not just that the Morocco bid has. It's not even just a $6 billion difference between 5 and 11. It's also the fact that, like, the Morocco bid has all these built-in infrastructure problems and it would be yeah. a big challenge. And so you could just easily see that money getting – that money dwindling down as Morocco struggles to put on this World Cup where the U.S. is like – I mean, the U.S. is turnkey ready, right? Like, if if tonight, if 
something happened in Russia and they said, we need to get everyone on a plane and, and change the 2018 World Cup, the only country they could do it in would be the U.S. Yeah. And in fact, the U.S. is so turnkey ready that they ha- actually have 23 stadium sites that need to compete for like the 18 slots. So they're like too many yes. stadiums. Yes. And they're the, and each city is going to have to like compete to like fuck themselves. I mean, it's just such a genius bid for like FIFA's perspective because you will have cities like competing against each other to like make this corrupt, horrible organization happy. See, the thing uh, I'm excited about as a Seattleite is that we have Seattle, which will almost surely get a game because we always sell out um, for our soccer games. Like we always set the the attendance records. I mean, the Seattle Sounders have like better attendance than like, you know, Juventus and stuff. Like we have like better yeah, attendance yeah. than like these big European clubs. Yeah. So and I'm I know pretty- we're with Santa Clara is also guaranteed to get one because it's one of the newest stadiums in the United yeah. States. And it like has hosted international. I think it hosted the uh, International Champions Cup final this summer. So it's like it's tested. Yeah. So I'm sure Seattle will get one. But also I would bet that the Vancouver Stadium will get it too because that's a pretty new stadium as well. Oh. So I might get to be at two games. Well, that's inter- Well, there are going to be so many games. So there are going to be 80 games. So if you're you're one of the sites... I think I think what's the math is does that sixteen times five? Yeah, that makes sense. So I get I think they'll probably have sixteen sites and every site will get five games. Oh my god, that's gonna be amazing. Yeah, so Seattle, I mean, we're gonna have like I mean Seattle and San Francisco I think are absolute locks. I think that like the Dallas is like an absolute lock. I I think it's where those uh, some of the like um the I think the the Canada and Mexico places maybe are going to be a little tougher because like Azteca is a lock, and I know they in the video they specifically said that the opening kickoff is going to be three stadiums at once, and I think in the video they had already said where they're going to be. So those are and one of them's Azteca, but I'm not sure what the U.S. one was, but it wasn't either Seattle or San Francisco. Um, now, have they decided? Does that mean that all? three teams get an automatic bid to the World Cup? Uh, so it is not decided yet. Now, I have I have looked into this because they're expanding the World Cup to 48. And what they're doing is actually r- kind of cool. You know, I don't want to... There's a whole uh, article about how this s- system is really bad now because it, it allows in the third game of the group collusion between the two teams. Like, it's very possible that... You know, you're going to have groups of three and the top two advance. And just based on luck, it's very possible that the last two teams playing just need a draw and they would both advance. And so there's basically... Right, right. And, and it's luck that's common enough that that happens, it seems, at least once every World Cup. Yeah, but, but the current system, like, it's very difficult to do that because the other match is happening simultaneously and they're very rare. I, I actually... I don't think there's any instance where the teams know there's a draw unless they're like watching the results of the other game, which of course aren't final yet. But right, there right. are situations in this three uh, team group stage where it's just 100% known because the other teams have already played or the other teams already played that if the two teams draw. And so they're having to come up with all these countermeasures like, okay, maybe draws aren't allowed in the World Cup. Like that's what that's one thing they're proposing that in this new three stage group. It would just be like the group stage games where if it's tied after extra time, it goes to penalty kicks, which I honestly think changes the World Cup 
sort of completely, you know? Right, dramatically, yes. And um, and I think I, I think it changes the World Cup in the way that, like, hurts the smaller teams and helps the bigger teams because the, the concept of just totally hanging agree. on to a draw yes. as a good result just is going to completely go away. And but, I like the strategy of, like, you know, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, gaming out like, oh my gosh, if this team can just, if they can just eke out a draw against Germany, like it's going to change their whole prospect in the group. Yep. Yep. And that's going to be completely gone. So, um, which is disappointing. Well, it's a, a proposal, right? It's not like the way it is. Uh, no, 2026 will be 48 teams. So the, and, and the current, no, but I mean the draw question. You're right. You're right. But, but FIFA is aware of it. And um, it is funny watching the FIFA Congress where you see all this like it, it is it is just like a model UN where like any country could just come up and say whatever they want. Like uh, the country of Palestine just came up there and, and came up with this like proposal about like human rights, which was like some sort of weird proposal that eventually got voted down. But, you know, it, it was basically sort of a wacky thing that people weren't even sure, like, if they alter the rules in this way, what it even means, which is why it got voted down. But, like, Palestine could just get up and do it. And so all of the South American teams actually had a proposal to see if the 2022 World Cup could be expanded. Uh, that, But they eventually didn't pro- uh, go up and present because FIFA assured them that, like, they already were, like, thinking about it. But it seems very unlikely just because uh, Qatar is already having problems like for the normal sized world <laughs> right. cup so like right. but of course for south america like the south no no place benefits more than the expansion of 48 teams in south america because i think they go from four and a half slots to like six and a half slots so i mean and the thing i was saying that was cool is how the intercontinental playoffs are going to work is it used to be you know, there are these two intercontinental playoffs and it like changes to based on, you know, what how the slots are allocated. So, you know, this year it was between South America and Oceania and it was between um, CONCACAF and um, Asia. But the way it's going to work in the future is there are going to be these two bids, but there are going to be six countries, one country from each confederation playing for these two bids and they're going to play a mini tournament of among the six teams for the two bids and it's actually going to be like six months or like eight months before the world cup as like a test run in the country that's hosting so it, it's but like, that's not part of the 48 though that's to get to the 48 Is that's that right? to get to the 48 but that's going to be pretty fun where like i mean it's going to happen in 2026 assuming this uh idea that they had presented that i think is part of the the initial proposal of 48 happens which is like when we start hosting the 2026 World Cup, like, there's going to be a, a tournament, like, six months beforehand of these six teams, like, trying to play their way into the World Cup. And it is very, very possible that uh, the U.S., although with the expansion of CONCACAF, like, the U.S. is probably a really strong favorite to get in. But well, and, and in 2026, we'll have an automatic bid. Well, that's not, that's not assured. So... They uh, that still has not been discussed or approved. And I think the automatic bid for the U.S. or Mexico really doesn't really change anything. But the automatic bid for Canada is like you can imagine a lot of CONCACAF teams saying being very upset because because, again, uh, this is this giant voting block. And basically, if Barbados wants to get up there and say, hey, I don't think they should get an automatic bid, let's vote on it. 
And, you know, you've got 35 CONCACAF teams. Like, if I were a CONCACAF team, I would absolutely vote that Canada shouldn't get an automatic bid. Like, they should have to work for it because, you know, they're taking away the bid from somebody else. So it's, it's, not, it's not assured yet. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I don't know how how close Canada comes to qualifying, like in a forty eight team. So, I mean, forty eight teams is is what is, that's sixteen more than there are now, right? Yes. Which means that does that mean that Concacaf would get two more than they get now? Yeah, I think I was looking at the numbers. I'm trying to remember. It. I had the chart up before, but I, I don't have it. But I, I was looking by memory. I think it was. CONCACAF either got two more or two and a half more. But I, I guess we already had that intercontinental playoff. So yeah, I think we either moved up to, to six or six and a half or seven, somewhere around that range. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, you know how much uh, how much Canada are cuspers on that anyway. Like, would they, you know, were they in the top six in the, you know, qualifying for, for how many of the last three or four World Cup qualifiers i don't know yeah you know. They, i mean they certainly weren't in the hex this year i don't think they were in the hex last time memory serves oh me i correctly. guess that would be basically be it anyone who's in the hex would have qualified if it's yeah. six bids right because you can think about Concacaf, and i mean it is true that like trinidad and tobago made the hex which is like you know obviously a sore subject and they were obviously the weakest side in there but the rest of the teams in the hex are you know decent sides like you know honduras isn't a great team, but they're obviously better than Canada. Yeah, and, Honduras um, is all right. Panama is all right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, obviously Costa Rica has you know made a pretty good run in the last World Cup. So right, right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think uh, whether we get an automatic bid or not, uh, it's very, very exciting that the U.S. is hosting. Very exciting that it could be in our city. I mean, it really it was the best way to wake up on Thanksgiving morning to see. Yeah. This international body had made such a good pick for me. I, I'll tell you. At it is a Thanksgiving miracle. Staying up, I just want to actually describe, since we are a podcast about picking, the actual way the picking was done. Because it was kind of amazing. So, they've got this electronic voting system. And they keep going over and over again how it works. So, they're like... Uh, here's the thing we're going to vote on. They're like, you have a clicker in front of you. You can vote, you know, yes, no, abstain, and then press submit or whatever. And then clearly you've got, you you know, you can see out on the crowd and it's got like all these old people like adjusting their glasses, like trying to like figure out how this thing worked. <laughs> and so they did test votes and they were like, they did two separate test votes where they're just like, okay, guys, we just want to check to see if the system's working before we do the super important vote. So they, they, uh, they're first, I, I don't remember what the first test question was because it was before I started watching and uh, I only read about New York Times, but I saw the second test vote and they just asked, is the FIFA World Cup headquarters in Zurich, Switzerland? So they're like, this is just a test question. Is the FIFA uh, headquarters in Zurich, Switzerland? Press yes, if it is. And he's like, and yes, it is. Press no if it's not, <laughs> and like press abstain if you want, just to get people familiar. And then everybody puts their vote in, and then they wait. Up. Every person has 15 seconds to put in their vote. And then they showed up on the big screen. And I know, based on what I read in the New York Times, in the first test vote, uh, I, it was like, what planet are we on, or something like that. Only 95% 
of people voted yes, and like 5% voted no. And then apparently the FIFA president made some like joke about it, like, oh, people need a little more coffee or something. But on the second test vote, it also came back 95% yes, and, and then 5% no. Like, again, there was like the no, like the no-brainer <laughs> testing of the voting system, and still 5% of the votes were like wrong, like legitimately wrong. And the guy like looks at it, you know, the head of FIFA looks at it, and he sort of doesn't even make a joke anymore. He's just like, huh, all right. And I think... It's just like um, I was I was joking online because people are following this via Twitter and they're like predicting what the countries are going to do. And, you know, some people are predicting the U.S., but some people, you know, like us, were predicting Morocco. And I was like, if it's really close, like the U.S. or Morocco might just win on like misclick votes because. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's not if it's guaranteed. in a five percent margin of error. Yeah. Then then it's definitely possible. Because I could imagine the winner is like by one or two and people are projecting some really close margins and like one country like raise their hand and like, oh, no, I, I, I clicked the wrong thing. Like redo the vote or whatever. But as it happened, it wasn't it, really that close at all. It is just this amazing thing, though, where in my head, it's sort of like the, the NFL draft or something where you're on the clock. Everybody has 10 minutes or I don't know if you've ever seen Congress vote. Actually, I'm sure you have. You're in the political realm where they sort of open the voting and people sort of get their votes in. You know, I I don't know how long they have, 10 minutes or 50 minutes, and sort of the yays or nays are like tallying up on the screen. But they do the two 15-minute presentations. Then he's like, all right, guys, time to vote. And then he's like, everybody get out your clicker. You have 15 seconds to put in your vote. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's it. And then everybody's just like frantically getting out their clickers, pressing one of the two things, and then... That was it. 15 seconds go by, and then he's like, okay, we're tallying up the results. And then normally the secretary general woman, she announced the results. But for this one, uh, they really made a show of it. They were like, and we have the winner. And then they, they had split screens of the Morocco delegation and the United States delegate, or the United oh, bid, rather. Like the Oscars. It, exactly like the Oscars. And the United bid, they were like, you could just tell by the body language, they were confident. Like, they were shaking. They were, you know that thing that, like, old white men do where they're not quite high-fiving, but they're not quite shaking hands, but it's, like, the right in between? Yeah, it's like they never really learned how to high-five, but they but they want to, like, approximate it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like doing a high-five with, like, a handshake motion. Like, that's what they were doing. Like, multiple right. of the white guys are doing this thing. They're too excited to shake hands, but they're too old to high-five. Exactly. And then, but you could tell they were confident. But the guy, he, he holds it for, like, 10 seconds to really build up the drama. But then he says, congratulations to the United. And then they just erupt. They and, just freak uh, out. And then freak out, and you know, it, it, I'm watching. It's a pretty cool moment. Like, I was, as we said on the podcast, I was I was expecting the Morocco bid to win, and, and the Twitter sphere, I would say, was pretty. Um, the insiders were were pretty keen that Morocco had, a, you know, should have had a good track at it, but uh, you know that the U.S. did the did the necessary backroom dealing. Like they they won in an absolute blowout. Even. Even even with all the extra money, Morocco shouldn't have gotten as many votes as they got. Like, it shows you that had there been a really strong – because what I was reading about in the articles today is that like Morocco was like considered on the scale of bids a relatively weak bid. 
Yeah. It's a country that probably should have been co-hosting with someone else. They don't really have the infrastructure. There's a lot of questions about how they'd be able to handle it. Uh, God, I mean, had it been been a country with a better track record and a better plan in place, I think we would have been dead dead in the water. Because I think that there was a maybe like desire to not give it to the U.S. But look, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just the money was there. And yeah. I, I mean, and they did the look, work for it. And they did the work, too. I mean, look, you know, obviously they did a good job whipping votes. So that's great. And you just look at the stats. CONCACAF is the confederation that has hosted the World Cup the most times that, like, CONCACAF was clearly due. Every other single confederation, including Africa, has hosted one. And, you know, that's the thing they kept saying in the Morocco bid, like, oh, the World Cup's been hosted for 100 years, and Africa's only hosted it once. And it's like, yeah, you only hosted it once, but that was eight years ago. Like, Right, right, exactly. Uh, exactly. But anyways, very exciting. And, and Joe, I just wanted to... I, I went through the, the votes, and I wanted to just... You know, we had made some predictions. I just wanted to pull out what I think are some, some key votes to, to show how uh, the votes went. So... Let's look at the, the G7 summit. Our allies, our strongest <laughs> allies, Joe. Of course, they're going to vote for us. Canada, they could not vote. They had to abstain as being part of the bid. France, Joe, our close, dear ally France, they voted for Morocco. Well, though, but to be fair to France, and this is actually, I'm sure, a real thing, France has a substantial Moroccan population. Definitely. And they're right by Morocco. Understandable. Germany, Joe... United bid. Come on, of Germany. Course. Of course. Italy. Our Italian brothers and sisters, Morocco. Oh, che bene, Italy. Come on. I know. Stabbed us in the back. Japan, Joe. Oh, Un- Japan. Come on. Japan. United. United. Yes. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Okay. United <laughs> Kingdom, Joe. I mean, this is, this is the rubber vote. This is the decider. What do you think they did, Joe? I mean, the UK. Look. They can't still be mad about the war for independence. <laughs> they can't still hold it. No, come on. The All UK right, Joe. gave his ass. The United Kingdom, and this is huge, accounted for five separate votes. Yes. Ireland, England, Northern Ireland, Wales, and Scotland, and they all came for the United bid. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, you got to love a former colony. So, I mean, if you, in the, if you look at the G7 and you look at that nice United Kingdom situation, they came strongly for us. But how about our enemies, Joe? How about we, – we did make one prediction on the podcast, but China, Joe, they went for Morocco. Of course they did. It's Qatar. the our, our, uh More power to them. I mean, makes complete sense. Qatar, who we were fighting for 2022 and bested us, they voted for Morocco. Real spite vote. Palestine, Joe. We don't, had, we don't call them go, a country. They had to go for Morocco. No, I'll call, them, I'll call them a country. No, it's fine. They went for Morocco, I'm sure. They went for Morocco. Yeah, yeah, of course they did. But Syria. Israel probably canceled them out. Syria. Yeah. They went for Morocco. Of course they did. But now North Korea, Joe, we were talking about this. Like, they, we just had the summit. North Korea surely must have thrown this meaningless vote towards the united states but no they <laughs> north what? korea voted for morocco i mean this just shows you how bad trump's deal making is <laughs> he couldn't even secure us a world cup vote i know like in that stupid one page thing they signed couldn't he have just thrown in there 
the World Cup vote you're doing tomorrow. Just oh my god, give it to the United bid. But it's the one saving grace for our World Cup bid that Trump didn't. And I guess he probably, I imagine he probably hates soccer and finds it too like foreign. Yeah. It, it is but, funny, though, because I'm looking at this online and people are, like, giving Trump credit because they're like, oh, what you didn't know is Trump wrote all of these letters to oh, all of the, these countries talking about how all fans will be welcome and will make sure to give visas to all the countries and let everybody in. And it's like, well, the only reason that would ever be a concern is because of his, like, horrible xenophobia. Right, right, right. No one was worried about that before. Yeah. Uh yeah, look, I think uh, it would have probably killed the U.S. bid had Trump been tweeting about how any country that doesn't vote for us are idiots and like, yeah, you know, so so thank goodness he wasn't that involved. Thank goodness for that stupid summit. But Joe, just to finish off, three more enemies with bids you might find surprising. Iraq, they vote for the United bid. Come on, Iraq. Afghanistan, yeah, I mean, they also come for the United bid. And Perhaps the most shocking of all, Joe, Russia comes in for the United bid. No, I'm no. I mean, why not? They installed our government. <laughs> They're totally happy with it. I'm sure they have their as part of their like uh, blackmail thing with Trump. I'm sure some of that 11 billion just gets funneled directly to Putin. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what do you think is going to build all those stadium repairs? Good old Russian steel. Absolutely. Well, with all the tariffs on China, it's the only place to get steel anymore. <laughs> what a pick. What a pick's giving miracle. It's that was amazing. Fun. It was fun to stay up, even though it was, it was the Congress is boring. But man, I it was cool to see them picked. And, you know, I am in this weird state where I like have to root against the U.S. and everything because, you know, it feels if the U.S. succeeds, that's pro-Trump, which is bad. But I I... You know, as they were about to read it, I was like, oh, we predicted Morocco for pure spite. I hope it's Morocco. But, man, it would be fun if it was the U.S. And yeah. So I was happy. And it is fun. I'm excited. It's going to be excited. super fun. But, Dan, come on. We got to get to the business of the day. Yeah. This is going to be surgical, Joe. I, I feel like this this whole decision only going to take I, like 10 minutes. I already know what I'm picking. Oh, great. It's Tunisia. Let's go. All right. Now, Joe, as I have decided, here's what I'm going to do. I originally said I was going to make a pick. But you know what? I don't even want to. Yeah, You've got these four teams. I, I like them all for different reasons. And so as you whittle down and make your pick, what I am going to do is I have my $100 in my Bovada account. I'm going to bet $50 on whichever team you pick which will now be my team, and I will have my money riding on it. And and because of the odds on all these teams, like, I'm telling you, this is a significant payday. Whoa, whoa, Dan, this is a twist. You're basically telling me that I'm picking for two right now. You're picking for two, and the other $50 will go on whichever team's best forward is for top scorer. Wow, So Dan. I'm going all in on whatever team you pick. Now, I will leave it slightly open that if you do pick a team and as we discuss this high scorer bet there might be another other team in this final four that we prefer a bet on i might i might sort of hedge a little bit there but oh yeah no i, I mean i still think that that lukaku bet is pretty solid actually yeah well i'm not doing Belgium's it, not Joe. gonna win but i think that the 
I think that might be a good bet. Well, Joe, I'm not betting here for like good bet. I'm betting to cement my no, I get it. rooting I get interest. It. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. Let's go. Let's make a pick. Okay. So, uh, yesterday you said you basically want, I guess we just want to sort of take a high level look at sort of these teams, how we got here. Um, you know, a little brief intro into a brief exploration of what's so good about these teams, what's so bad. And you want the case to be made for why you want to pick one of these teams. I want what is what is Portugal or Uruguay or Colombia or England? What is what is their strongest case? What's the reason? And it might be a series of reasons, but what's what's the strongest argument for picking that team? And then what is the strongest reason not to pick them? Yeah, and. It's going to be fun. But before we get into that, Joe, we've got to do our last mailbag. <sighs> Let's start with a voicemail. I love the voicemails. This is our love last voicemail. ever voicemail. Dan, I know this is this is not just the season finale. It's, it's likely the series finale, Dan. I know. I Also, we like don't really talk outside of this podcast. So this is also like our friendship is going on. It's, pause. Been, it's been great. It's I been know. great. We've had a, a nice past six months, Joe, but once again, we'll we'll go back to knowing nothing about each other. I mean, I'll see you at the bachelor party. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I'll, I'll visit for, uh, for for Thanksgiving and maybe even for the next Picksgiving. Well, you have to visit for Picksgiving. I mean, it's, it's a family tradition now. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Oh, boy. That's a Brauka. <laughs> All right. Let's, All let's right. hear what Josh has to say. Our final ever voicemail. Hey, guys. Superfan Emeritus Josh here. Uh, quick suggestion for season three, or maybe maybe for the subreddit in the meantime. I was thinking we kind of need an official Joe Picks Podism animal or prognosticating animal, such as the octopus or apparently this Russian cat. And I was thinking maybe it could be the raccoon. The problem with the raccoon, though, is he needs a name. So could you guys maybe give us some ideas? Oof. Wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, first of all, what is the most prognosticating animal out there? Well, first of all, absolutely kudos to Josh for bringing this up because there is no animal that is much that is more the spirit animal than any time they like do the YouTube video of the famous octopus these animals that choose so confidently, Joe. And yep. occasionally, they always make the right choices. So sure. it's just like such a fit for Joe Picks Podism. And boy, I wish I could like, if the raccoon, the raccoon may or may not be coming back because I am seeing some unusual holes being dug in my flower garden. I wonder if I could put like two different teams and two different flowers and see if there's a hole dug for like one of them. I mean, do raccoons actually pick things? They seem like pretty, like, like indiscriminate animals. Yeah, you're right. Instead of choosing between two things, they just want everything. Right. Like, if you leave out two bags of trash, they're not going to pick the better bag of trash. They're just going to take both bags of trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the raccoon is our, is, our, is our spirit animal. I think, I mean, certainly... We talked about the groundhog. The groundhog, I mean, makes an important choice every year, obviously. It's true. It's true. 
But I like the idea of a choosing octopus because they have a lot of arms to choose too. Well, they, when they did it back in the Germany World Cup, they'd sort of put like two crabs in like the little things and then the octopus would like decide and eat one of the crabs and that would be the choice. I wonder what the history of picking animals because now I feel bad because there's been like so like every big event has some animal picking it. Yeah. Does a country pick which animal gets to pick? Well, I think Josh is making this thing about this Russian cat. I was just reading about it, how there's... Yeah, no, it was on our podcast or or on our Reddit page. Someone, uh, uh, Karsten, put the cat up. Oh, my God. It's Achilles, the psychic cat. cat? Yeah. Oh, my God. What a cute cat. All right. So what do we think? So what's the animal? Well, Josh suggests a raccoon, and his suggested name is Wally. Okay. Okay. Here's what I think. I think... The official animal might have to be the last fan pole. Ooh. I mean, I, I have a lot of animals in my life. I've got my two cats. I've got the raccoon. I mean, I think, I think raccoon is an option. I think cats, cats are fairly picking. Cats like to pick. They definitely like cats to Cats like pick. to choose things. Uh, I like the idea of an octopus. Uh, so we should definitely put octo- octopies on there i mean i I have a lot of fish joe you know you know honestly i think it might have to be an octopus because it also gets us into that same problem of of having trouble with the plurals of different words is it octopuses is it octopies octopods yeah well it's not octopods why not i don't know because that's just a made-up word that is (laughs) this wrong well is is octopi is a made-up word? I don't know. I think octopi is a made-up word. I think it's octopuses, but I think people have just said octopi for long, so long they've co-opted it. They've made it real. They have. They've made it real. This horrible society. Is it a groundhog? I like the groundhog. I think the groundhog is our spirit animal. I think you just drag that groundhog out, put a couple of food bowls, you know, put some World Cup regalia on the bowls, and just like, boom. Puxatani right. Phil is making our decisions. But I don't think Puxatani Phil, I think it's all groundhogs are our spirit animal. I don't think it's just that specific groundhog. Hmm. Well, I'm wondering if there are any groundhogs in San Francisco. I know there are moles in San Francisco, but I really don't know where you'd find a mole or a groundhog, really. Wait, wait, are we buying one of these animals? No, I was just going to, like, if there's a groundhog out in the, in the park or something, I'll just go put some food, videotape it. Because the thing is, I feel like so much of this animal picking thing is just like, a, how big is your media platform? Like, any animal can be made to be one of these picking animals as long as enough people watch it. I mean, we have the media platform. We have the religion that we can easily turn. And if, as long as we have the right YouTube video, we're getting millions of views. If we can just have a groundhog picking between, you know, a couple bowls that have like France and Germany on it. You know, also thinking about season one of the podcast, we did talk about a lot of animals. We talked about falcons beating eagles in a fight. Yeah. Maybe it's a falcon. <sighs> well. Maybe it's, maybe it's a bear with a katana. I think we talked about that being able to beat a tiger. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got deep insight into the bear from my, my zookeeper friend. Boy, I could talk mm-hmm. to her, see if I could get in that zoo exhibit and have the bear decide. I mean, are bears picky animals? I think they are, actually. Mm, I don't think so. I think they're pretty indiscriminate. I think they come across a human and they're like, I need to pick. Should I maul you or should I kill you? Mm, yeah. I think for them, it's pretty much the same. 
I think once they Look, maul you, you're pretty, you're pretty dead. Dan, Dan, the greatest gift we can give our, our super fans and our fan emeriti is one last chance to pick. Let's put this out there. Put it for a poll. I think we have lots of good suggestions. Let's see what they think. Let's do it. But well, I'm going to name it. You pick the animal, I'll name it. I like naming things. When you said you, you meant them, right? I, the royal you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. We're on the same page. I don't have to do anything, Joe. Because after I upload this podcast, I'm done. I'm unsubscribing from the subreddit. I'm shutting down my computer. Never podcasting you're turning again. In, you're turning in your microphone? Turning in the microphone. Ah, what a great day it will be. But for now, my, my duty continues. I've got more emails. I've got this one that's relating to a specific team. Oh, here's one. From new superfan Christy. She says, All right. Hi, Joe and Dan. I've been listening to the podcast since the beginning of season two, diligently tuning into each episode the week it is posted. I wanted to write in for the first time while I still have a chance. I've learned a lot from the podcast, and I particularly appreciate the hard work and contributions of all the super fans, Emeriti, and guests. Special shout outs to superfan Emeriti, Tony PhD, and David PhD, and special guest, Pam PhD. Wow. She likes the PhDs. You know, look, that academic, uh, those, that sign of approval, for some people, when they're uh, looking at the, the people who are picking, they like to see that. I couldn't help but notice she left out Josh PhD. Yeah, she, I, it seems like she might she, know these people. She's, she doesn't care for the history major. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't history know. History PhD means nothing to her. I just finished the quarterfinals episode and wanted to write in with my prediction. Blank. I suspected Joe would choose blank early on. He appreciates... Well, I don't want to give too much away. Anyways, what I wanted to say to you, Joe, is her email is entitled For All the Magnets, and she has tried to get in her pick once 12 hours ago, once you had already whittled it down to four teams, and I respect her confidence so much. Hey, absolutely. (laughs) It's such a great move. Unfortunately... Other people have already locked in that same pick, but I don't know. The fact that she's sending in, she's trying to get that magnet set with 12 hours to go after you've already whittled it down. The boldness, the confidence. And technically, we didn't put a time limit on it, so I, I'll allow it, Dan. She got it in. If other people have that pick locked in, uh, you know, I don't think it's first. I think, I think we do a raffle. Ooh. All right. I mean, I was talking to my lovely fiance, and she really wants the magnets. She's trying to, she's like t- t- putting in her picks to me, telling me. And I'm like, well, you have to email in the picks. But she really wants those magnets. Oh, also the magnets are, every, my kids put them everywhere. I, th- there are surfaces in my house that I didn't know were magnetic, where I just am finding like random Sweden magnets. Oh my God. Well, thank God he sent that Sweden magnet to you. St. <laughs> Josh. And then I was like, well, St. Josh said he would just send me the magnets, but I didn't want to give my address. And she's like, well, I'll give my address. But, but her address is your address. I know. And I said, no way. Look, uh, I, I know, Joe, for you, you don't care, but I don't want St. Josh to come and murder me. Not that he would do that, but you never know. I just had a please don't send me a severed head rule. It's simple. Yeah. Well, he did. I mean, he sent you that card. That's pretty nice. He's probably not <laughs> a serial killer. Probably not. But he is. I mean, it's a lovely card. Isn't he? He's traveling to Europe or he's traveling to Russia to watch the game. So, like, who knows what. You know, but people he's going to get involved with while he's there. 
And Woody Woodpecker's on the card. Maybe maybe Woodpecker should be one of the options in our animal poll. They're picking what trees to, to peck. And Woodpecker sounds almost like Woodpicker. Mm. Yeah, see. Wow. Maybe we could rename. It, it could be Woodpicker the Woodpecker. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Now we're getting somewhere, Joe. Okay. Superfan Constantine. Hi, Dan and Joe. I am so happy to become a superfan. Congratulations with FIFA picking the Mexico-USA-Canada for the 2026 World Cup. Your quarterfinals were awesome. France, England, what a thriller it was. Looking forward for the semifinals and the finale. Joe, oh no. A lot of pressure. Good pickings to you. So much pressure. I won't let Constantine down. Had I, had I screened that in advance, Joe, I would not have said the P word. <laughs> Look, Joe, when you're making a big pick, you want to be relaxed. You want to be clear-headed. You don't want, you don't want to be nervous. You don't want pressure. No, no. I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. I'm, I'm in a very picking mood today. Wow. You're not going to get any, any yips. You're not going to get confused. You're not going to space out. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I mean, if I just freak out and pick, uh, pick the Cincinnati Bengals, you'll know I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bit of bad choice in season one. Really bad choice in season two. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. To clear your mind. Although I really, I now have the email from Tony, but it's related to a team. He's, a, he's making the case for a team. So I don't know if I should we'll wait. wait. We'll wait. Let's wait. Let's, let's incorporate that. Okay. By the way, I think we just picked. I think Woody Woodpicker is our uh, is our mascot. But yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Wow, that, that's it. That's a, the oh, email. No more email. Back. That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, it turns out people can't parse through five hours of podcasts in like less than twenty six hours or something to get in the email. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Well, let's start. I mean, should we? Should we do a uh, a random.org to figure out which team we're doing first? Do it, Joe. Okay. I think we should talk about – should we talk about the pros and the cons for each team or should we talk about all the pros and then all the cons? It's your picking, Joe. You're picking for two. So, you know, whatever is going to help you pick the best. I want to do each team one by one, pros and cons. Okay. Okay. And the first team is, okay, wait, we're going to go Portugal, Portugal, Uruguay, England, and Colombia. And the first team is Portugal. Okay. Portugal, Joe. Just to give a, a brief overview of the team, where they did best. You loved Portugal and the Too Good, Too Bad. They're the absolute sweet spot for you. Although, given that, as we joked off air after we recorded the last podcast, you could have just picked all of the teams that were between um, 15 to 1 and 45 to 1 and just said you don't like Croatia and you would have come to the same final four. So <laughs> a lot of talk about food and couponing and all this stuff and boom, I could have just done it by the rankings. Yeah, these teams are all all pretty pretty close to one another into good to bad. So, 
for this particular strength, this might not be uh, it might not be the differentiator that it would have been as compared to other teams. You love the fan culture of Portugal, Joe. Uh, you you like the drink, whatever it was. Of course, you like the player to watch. When when we went over the the team yesterday, you know Portugal obviously has this unbelievable star power of Ronaldo. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, Joe, today, just to, you know, now everybody and their brother, not everybody and their brother-in-law, by the way, is releasing their World Cup podcasts, which it's kind of annoying that they're doing it. I mean, they're the ultimate procrastinators. We've been doing it for six months. They get it in on the last day, and, you know, they're getting like a thousand times as many listeners. But the 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 oh the story on Portugal does seem to be like people are even are even debating is Portugal even going to make it out of the group? It it it's all dependent on Ronaldo. Like, is Ronaldo going to play out of his mind? Is he going to just you know be essentially dragging this team? And they were even making jokes about poor Pepe, and they were they were joking that he's not even playing in a top league anymore, which I found very offensive, Joe. I mean, if we, if you were to boil down why I would be rooting for Portugal in one word, what would it be? It would just have to be, it would be goat. It would be, you're, you're watching one of the best players in history and you're going to watch him do best player in history kind of stuff. And what is more fun than watching just pure greatness? I mean, yes. Once in a generation greatness, maybe twice if you're a big Messi fan. Yeah, and I think that's fair to say twice in a generation greatness. I think these are the each one has an argument to be one of the best players of all time. But if you were to go back in time to like when Maradona was in his prime and say, I'm going to watch a World Cup, I have zero allegiance to any team, and you're traveling back in time, so you, you also know sort of the arc of history, and like maybe you don't even remember who won those World Cups. I certainly don't know, but, but like. Wouldn't it be logical to say, like, well, Maradona's a historical great. He's the person I want to be spending my time watching because these these great players, when Ronaldo and Messi are out of the game, there might not be – the next Ronaldo and Messi might not be as good and probably won't be as good as Ronaldo and Messi. So don't you want to spend your time watching the greatest players of all time? Sure. I mean, it makes complete sense to me. And And this is the last World Cup. I mean, at the ripe old age of 33 – you know, after that February 5th birthday, by the time he's 37, like, he's already probably a little bit past his peak, although, of course, his results in uh, club play are, you know, as good as ever. But he he, he doubles down on the horse placenta, and he's yeah. going to do fine. But by 37, yeah, no amount of horse placenta is going to prevent that. So this is, you're watching his last uh, World Cup, and I believe he's played in uh, four so this is going to be – well, he might play in four years, but he's obviously not going to be at the current level of greatness. So this is your last chance to see greatness. This is a player who's taken his team to victory before, taken taken this his international team to – obviously, he's taken his club team to victory. You know, uh, you can – he takes it so many times like the, the Warriors, but he's taken his international side to victory before at a major tournament. And, you know, this is his, his big chance in the World Cup – and and again, the most exciting match of the first round is Friday at 11 a.m. that every single person will be watching. Right, right. And 
if if Ronaldo plays Ronaldo style and they upset Spain, you know, already Ronaldo like if Ronaldo has a big game, Portugal comes out ahead, 2-1, 3-1, whatever they beat Spain, the talk of the entire first round is going to be on Portugal when they play that second game against and you know, it's against Morocco. So, boy, if they beat Spain, they beat Morocco. Everybody's going to be talking about how good Portugal's looking, you know, Portugal ready to make a run, how great Ronaldo is, you know, he will be a major storyline, guaranteed. The other the other reason I think to root for Portugal, and this is still about Ronaldo, but the other reason why that's great is that like he's such a divisive figure too. It's not like, you know, when you take someone who's the great, like, like if we were to be talking about Argentina and Argentina almost made it here yeah. Um, and you say, well, Messi's the reason to root for Argentina. Messi's almost universally beloved. He's not a controversial figure. Yeah, certainly not the way Ronaldo is. And you know that I kind of like the, the contrarian nature of loving Ronaldo. I love the bravado. I mean, I just sent you this link. I don't, I don't know if you're in your G-chat, if you read it. Oh, but I see it. It's, it's a, that Ronaldo is creating and starring in a superhero cartoon show where he is, his superhero uh, uh, name is CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo 7. The, the show is called Striker Force 7. And it's basically him just producing a uh, superhero show starring himself and what other could Messi could never do that but Joe I mean it reminds me who who else but your favorite quarterback after he bulldozes people and scores a touchdown you know does the Superman celebration absolutely my my uh favorite quarterback in the NFL right now Cam Newton come on of course equally controversial figure but it's just um you know it haters hate on who cares you know he doesn't care cam newton loves the haters ronaldo i mean ronaldo's just so far above the haters like he's... there's something that i love about people who are so great that people hate them just because they're great I, mean, I think it reminds me of myself obviously yeah but it is it is funny to uh for the haters and i, I read a lot about ronaldo as i was trying to find the uh the ways his life is intersected with mine it is just um amazing reading his his early history and like when he came to Man U, he he wanted to keep his old number, but they made him change numbers to seven, which you know I don't I'm not an expert on it, but apparently in Man U had been like some great soccer stars um, from the you know, it was like a, a number in Man U that was like meant to like inspire him to greatness, and like he fulfilled that greatness and sort of he apparently got run out of Man U, and again I'm sure people who follow the Premier League like know all of this stuff. A little bit where he he sort of like got a little too big for his britches, and he was like, you know, they were like giving him some shit, and he's like, I'm too fucking good for this, and he is, he was, like, right, right, yeah. I mean, all of his bravado has been followed up by actual success and amazing skill on the pitch. Yeah, he's won the Champions League three out of the last four years. Yeah, no, he's amazing. He's great, and he is the reason why i'd be rooting for portugal if anyone said why'd you pick portugal i'd be like well ronaldo of course definitely all right joe the reason the cons for portugal before we get to that before we get to that i don't know dan if you believe in signs or not but so today i had a work function dinner and i'm out to dinner at this restaurant it's called ciudad okay so i assume it's a mexican restaurant i go there it's not it's like Mediterranean food. Mm. It's like very, very good. It's kind of like a high-end place. And 
it's a weird it's weird because it's Mediterranean it has like very like um almost like my family's cooking like Middle Eastern Arabic cooking um but then also some like similarity to Spanish dishes too and I'm like what is this place and so I asked the waiter, I was like, it's called Ciudad. It seems like Mediterranean food. There's some like Spanish dishes. Like, what's the theme? And he's like, oh, it's Portuguese food. Ah. And so, so totally unwittingly, I went out for a Portuguese dinner tonight. Well, how did you like it? It was great. It was so great that I accidentally texted you about it. <laughs> <laughs> you did text me. You said, don't eat dinner. I'm bringing home great, great. You put two greats in there. Great, great food. And I thought, wow, that's so nice of you, Joe. But it's really logistically not very practical. (laughs) And I had just eaten a sandwich, as I told you, so I wasn't hungry. I I meant to text your sister, but I did. That's how that's how good it was. I said that was before I even knew it was Portuguese food. Wow, that could be a sign, Joe. It could be. It could be. And actually, before we get to the cons. I, I do. I, I pulled up three extra tidbits. I, I read a FIFA press release. I just wanted to delve into every bit of data that I could find about these teams. So I've got three pieces of data for each team. And I think for each team, there is a highlight that is worth noting. Now, for Portugal, I've got the average age of the team. I've got the percent of the team that plays for foreign clubs outside of the country and the percent Mm. that were born outside of the country. And so Portugal is about an average team in terms of age. They are the uh, 20th youngest team. So they're a little older than average, but right around average. Their average age is 28.3. 71% of them playing for foreign clubs, which is not unusual. It just obviously... The, the best leagues in Europe are not in Portugal, so it makes complete sense that they play. But 32% of the players on the Port- Portuguese team were not born in Portugal, which is the third highest of any team in the World Cup. So Wow, that is, that is very interesting. It's right. Now, uh, Ronaldo was born in Portugal. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which of the players they're talking about, but... Uh, I, if memory serves me correctly, I know Morocco is number one, and Morocco has like over 50% weren't born in Morocco. I forget what the number two team was, but Portugal at 30% is, you know, compared to the other three teams, like the other three teams, the highest percentage is 3%, which I assume is just one out of the whatever, 23 players. <laughs> right, right, right. But for, you know, for Portugal, yeah, wow, a, a, a full one-third of the team are like, either imported or, or dual citizenship or, or you know, whatever um, methods they use to, like, get people onto the, the Portuguese team. Yeah, I don't think you say imported when it's people, but I get what you mean. Immigrated. Emigrated. But it is like, you know, it's they they just give them the passport. I mean, well, the story of the, <laughs> that you talked about in the qualifying where they, like, gave <laughs> one country just brought in the Brazilian players. I think that I think you could say they imported the Brazilian players to play as their team. I wonder, it's interesting, so you have Morocco and Portugal, and right through that, you have the Strait of Gibraltar, right? I wonder if it's because there's so much, like, boat traffic there that, that, you know, people just get dropped off on either side. Oh, you know what happens? They're playing a soccer game right on a pitch that's, like, within viewing distance of the Strait, you know, they're, but they're not playing the full, you know, full side. I mean, maybe they're playing a pickup game. 
five on five, six on six, there's room for more. People on the boat, they've been at sea for a while. They're like, hey, let's play some football. Pull at the dock, walk up. They get in the game. They get spotted, Joe. They're good. You know, they've been out at sea practicing, as we talked about before, like the team's practicing on the boat, degree of difficulty very high. They come play on, on flat land. They're crushing it. Also, technically, if you go through the straight, boom, you get citizenship. That's it. Why not? I mean, look, Everyone Portugal, goes through. unlike yep. the U.S., loves the people. Bring Absolutely. them in. All right. So that was a very interesting data point. I'm glad you found that. I've got one for what? every team, though. It's going to blow you away. I love it. So what, what's the reason to not root for Portugal? Well, I think if you'd say the reason to not root for Portugal— a, they're sort of a one-man team. <laughs> so, yeah. If, um, especially compared to the three teams we're looking at, or the three other teams, rather, uh, that Portugal has uh, by far the. Yeah, I just want to make sure I've got this right. Yeah, so um, we did the stats on this before, but yeah, I think Uruguay has, like, Portugal has one top one player. But then the other two players are Pepe, who, again, was insulted in this podcast. Now, again, I don't follow these teams, but they were very down on Pepe. Poor Pepe. And then the other guy, um, Bernardo Silva, you know, I mean, he plays for Man City, so good for him. Also, interesting factoid I learned, Joe. Man City, of any club in the world, sent more players to the World Cup. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that list, but Tottenham, Tottenham was up there, man. Yeah, well, look, we'll get to Tottenham in a second, Joe. But, you know, that's, I think, your problem is, outside of this amazing star power of Ronaldo, there's not as much there, and they're not favored in their group. They So, you know, we were talking about this, oh, them and Spain, them and Spain. Spain is, is pretty heavily favored over them, so their tournament is likely to start out with a loss on Friday, and, you know... They lose to Morocco. Ronaldo has a bad... You know, Ronaldo could have a great game against Spain and they could still lose. Ronaldo has a bad game against Morocco. This team could easily be two games and done, essentially. They could be that... I mean, just like Spain was and England was last time. Uh, you know, they could be that team that uh, that that everyone expects to do decently in the tournament who gets eliminated and doesn't make it through the group. Yeah, and I'm uh, just... It's not obviously there are lots of teams that are favored less to win their group, but I'm just saying of the three teams, other teams, two of them are favored to win the group, and one of them is not favored to win the group, but they are heavily, heavily favored to advance. So I think Portugal, I can actually pull up, you know, if goddamn 538 had just done this last night, it would have made the thing, our, uh, the whole show so much easier because they like, um, they made the whole beautiful interactive bracket, but um, uh, Portugal's chances of making it through the round are under are sixty eight percent, which I, I believe is the lowest of of all of the teams that that we're looking at. Yeah, England at eighty five, Colombia, ooh, Colombia sixty nine, but Colombia is heavily favored to win the group, whereas whereas Portugal's uh, only favored to come in in second place. So. You know, that's that's the, the knock on Portugal. If Ronaldo doesn't play well, this this team very quickly could be out of the tournament. The uh, Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, I'm going to absorb that information. Uh, 
But I think that's right. That Ronaldo is the reason to root for the team. And then also the Ronaldo-centric nature of it is the reason why it might be hard to root for this team. Yes. And I don't know if you want to get into any of the, the things we didn't like about the team. You know, obviously Portugal, if you're thinking about it, it's a country that, you know, did some bad shit. It's got some yeah, atrocities. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about that enough in the um, group stage round. I mean, I mean, I don't think any of that stuff is like the reason to not root for them. Yeah. I think if you're purely talking about the reasons to root for them, I, I do think Ronaldo is both the pro and the con there. I agree. I agree. Okay. All right. All right. Now, let me just do my, my little random.org here. Uh, okay, number three. Let's talk about England. England, Joe. So, um, I mean, we could just start at the beginning and just do a brief overview of the aspects of England that you really liked. Again, we're not going to belabor it too much. But, Joe, you gave them the 10 out of 10 on player to watch because half of the team is Tottenham players, which you love. Yep. yep. You know, another minor side effect, if you're playing the game, as they're playing the game, if the players are talking to each other and the microphones pick it up, hey, Joe, it'll be in English. That's nice. That's a great point. A great point. I love it. That's nice. The food, Joe, you love the food. If you really, if England makes a run and you want to feel as British as possible, you'll be able to do that, Joe. You'll be able to have your tea. You'll be able to have your fish and chips. Have your uh, blood pudding. It's true. And the bar where we watch our soccer, I mean, it is a British bar owned by a British guy. Boom. Which I think gets to sort of the main point about this team, which is if you are going to watch a team, a fun environment to do that is with other like-minded people. I think you're... Your England is one of the teams. I think England and Mexico are probably the teams where you'll just be able to find the easiest group of like-minded people watching the games, supporting it with you if you want to. It's a team that has massive familiarity. And here is why. I'm just, I'm just going to weave in the, the statistics about this team. And this team has two of these very statistics I was talking about. Two of them are off the charts for this team. So England is the second youngest team in the World Cup at the average age of 26. So this is not the England of old. Although, of course, we're going to talk about the England of old. And we're going to talk about sort of what rooting for an England team means. But this team is the second youngest team in the World Cup. These are young stars. These are new stars. These are stars that have very little international experience you know, by comparison to other teams, unpredictable. You have no idea, basically, what you're going to see. And I think a lot of England fans would say the same thing. How are these players going to fit together? Who is X, Y, and Z player going to be the star? Is, is X, Y, and Z player going to yeah, feud with each other? Is it not going to work out up there? You know, um, what, what are they? I was just reading an article today about um, uh, what's the guy who plays for um, Man uh, City? They're forward. Uh, uh, wait, you're talking about Raheem Sterling? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, how is Raheem Sterling? Harry Kane, how's that all going to work out? 
Who knows? But very young players. Yeah, I mean, I think it's oh, it's a it is such an interesting thing how like, and I never quite understood it. And I guess England is the prime example because so many of the English players and I play for England. I'm sure you're going to get into this, but like, um, but but uh, or so many of the Premier League players play for England. I should say rather, but um. Like how how players can seamlessly transition from being rivals to being teammates, like even week to week. Like it's so weird during qualifying where it's like we have games where we're playing Man City and then they're off for the week at a friendly and they're and these these same players are are just enjoying themselves with each other. Yeah, and I guess you just don't take it personally, right? Well, I'll, I'll bring up an interesting uh, side note about that. That's very interesting on all these World Cup podcasts is the the Spanish manager was sacked like one day before the world cup i mean i don't even know who the replacement is he was just fired because he had basically accepted the real madrid job but they were saying that one of the most important things this the manager of the spanish team has to do is sort of deal with the real madrid barcelona rivalry among the team because they are bitter rivals and they're like if the manager is known to be this Real Madrid manager, it that is just like too much ha, has too much explosive potential to like tear the team apart. So they, I mean, they fired the manager like two days before the World Cup started because of this internal rivalry. And as you had guessed correctly, when it looks at the percentage of players that play for foreign clubs, England ties for the lowest in the World Cup at zero percent. Every single player on the English national team plays in England, and I probably assume 100% of them play in the Premier League. So you are having— yeah, that that is crazy. It's Yeah. So you're having players that, you know, other than Tottenham, but these are players that play against each other. I mean, I think it is pretty smart on their part that such of the core of the team is from one team and obviously a very good team— so, um, you know, there's obviously some built-in chemistry there, but at the same time, oh, very many key players on the, the team are, you know, playing for, for clubs that are, are big rivals. Yeah, and, and I mean, I guess when you're a professional, you figure out how to make it work. I think it is different, and I, I sort of understand Spain's decision because it is different when it's the manager. Uh, because then you start to wonder, like, oh, is he going to f- favor the Madrid players or mm-hmm. whatever? Like, I, like, I think that actually having the manager, and it must be why you never see managers who are club and country managers. Um, but, but yeah, it 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 is amazing to me how, especially when you watch these games and, and in the Premier League. I mean, okay, yeah, Madrid and Barcelona is crazy, but in the Premier League, the Premier League is is the most physical league in the world. So on top of that, you have players who are like legitimately getting into not fights, but like they're tripping each other. They're getting really heated on the pitch and then up oh, their teammates the next week. It's just yeah. It's strange. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what you're dealing with um, with England, but you know, it's a pro and it's a con because the pro is you're familiar. If, if you're watching your team play, you probably, Every player that starts on that team, and you were talking about this just yesterday, you know, you know them. You see them at minimum twice a year, probably more than that, because we all tune into sort of some of the highlight games in the Premier League. So 
we're familiar with all these players. Right. I, I hate some of the players on England. As much as I love many of them, I also, there are a few that I hate. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this question. And this is, I think, the thing that I'm most worried about with England. Is rooting for England too cliche? Well, I... Because you know I don't like to make cliche picks. Yeah. So, definitely. If if I could use the, the word that I love that, um, that you hear a lot in... Um, when you're watching the Premier League, where they're like, uh, ugh, that was a cynical tackle. Like, yes. this feels like a cynical pick because it, it sort of undercuts it sort of undercuts the idea of the entire podcast if we went through all of this. Because it's such an obvious choice. Yeah, you picked England, and it is such an obvious choice. But I do think that it's got a lot going for it. Now... I, again, I don't know if this falls for a pro and a con, pro or a con, but you are a tortured fan as a San Diego fan. Right. I was a tortured fan for my entire existence until last week when I watched one of my team wins. Literally, for the first time in my adult life, I've been watching sports for 25 years. The first time any of them won was last week. And it was speaking amazing. Speaking of which, I just have to say, uh, I noticed on... One of my favorite websites, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, is called Chumps or Champs, where they basically oh, you got rate... got it backward, Champs or Chumps. <laughs> no, 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 I don't like that one. <laughs> Champs no, or Chumps. A, a competitor website. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, but right now, because of Washington's win, the chumpiest team, or, or the chumpiest city is now San Diego. Oh, wow. Well, I don't, I don't think uh, Washington, D.C. was ever uh, at risk of that, but... Well... Whatever. San Diego is the chumpiest team. Well, you've been the chumpiest team for a long time. <laughs> it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. But, but you've but. been your entire life. You've never seen... I mean, honestly, no San Diego team has ever won. Tottenham's never won anything. You've, <laughs> you, basically, the, the, the idea of England fandom is this, like, we always blow it. We always lose. How are we going to lose? Which is both such a fit for you... But it also is, and when we did the season one of this podcast, it was something you did seem, you, the Atlanta Falcons did seem like a potentially good match for you, but you intentionally wanted to get away from the, like, failure. Right, right. The, yes, yes, the, the, like, it's not just failure, but it's failure with talent. It's, yes, it's, 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 it's. Not rising above your station, but falling below your station. Underperforming that's that's year after year. And though, 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 as a side note, Dan, I will say my one San Diego team left, the Padres, are having a great run right now. Are they? They're still in last, they're still in last place, but they've won 11 of their last 15 games, Dan. Oh, that's pretty good. You told yeah. me two games into the season they were out of the playoff race. Well, I love they've won 11 of their last 15 and they're still six games back. But six games back is closer than we've been in a long time. So yeah, that's it's not fine. Bad. Yeah. My Washington Nationals today beat your New York Yankees. So it was great. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. So it, the problem is it's the obvious pick. The problem is you're, you're bringing – and I think the, the, the double problem is, although this could go either way, if England does win – you can't you just no matter what you like pretend you you'll never have been a long suffering fan 
Like, you haven't felt the pain of England's failure your entire life. So if they win, you just won't ever be able to... You won't be able to own that victory the way others could. On the other hand, though, on the other hand, you know, when I was a Charger fan, I could watch any NFL game because I filtered it through this, like, complex formula of like how does this affect the chargers and even an nfc matchup i'd be able to find some ways like well if this team wins it boosts the chargers strength of schedule by this much which gives them this tiebreaker like like i'd always find a way because really i mean as we talked about in the first season and i think in this season two of the show i'm not a person who just appreciates a sport for a sport i need fandom as my entry point yeah once i have that entry point as as i think people have seen with this podcast and how i talk about tottenham hotspur and whatever uh once i have that i'm very obsessive and i kind of bring everything back to that fandom so one thing i will say is like if england were to win it doesn't that have like a hugely positive impact on those spurs players who like the biggest knock on them is like they don't know what it's like to win. They always blow it. If they somehow didn't blow it, isn't Harry Kane going to come back with an intense bravado that he's never had before? Or flip side, does it make them more likely to get poached by a bigger club? Hmm. Well, it, it is interesting that you brought that up because it is funny how as the, the Washington Capitals won last week, they're, of the four DC teams, I care the least about the Capitals. But I will say I followed the Capitals for many years, so like I care more about the Capitals than any other team in any other sport in any other city, but I care more. I would, like if I had my choice, I would prefer to see the Washington Nationals win the World Series than any... Of course. Other. Yeah, but sure. in my mind, I was like, you know what? This Capitals win, I think, like opens the door for the Nationals, because I think the Nationals yeah, will be it, a little looser. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the Patriots winning the Super Bowl helped the Red Sox win the World Series. It, it 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 releases a pressure valve in a city. Absolutely. And I think that your point is very valid. This team, undoubtedly, the core of the team is Tottenham players. And I think if they can break through and win the World Cup, you know, uh, the transfer thing aside, I mean, that's very unpredictable. But how could they not? How could Tottenham, how, how could it not, be positive for Tottenham in the upcoming year, especially because the knock on Tottenham is they never win any any trophies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Okay. I mean, you've given me a lot to think about with England. I And uh, I have um, – I should have organized this better, but Karsten – how did I not even notice this? I, I clicked it as red, and I, I forgot about it. But he sent it in this email, but this is perfect because he's – Given a pro and con for every team. God, so my humblest pixpology to you, Carson, that I almost overlooked this. But he says, and it's fine because his Portugal stuff is basically anti-Ronaldo, which, you, you know, you don't need to hear. But he says, why you shouldn't pick England, Joe? Because they didn't pick Bez. They don't deserve you. Bez even said they're a shitty fan base. Is that what you want to be associated with? But then his pro, very simple, Joe, Harry Kane. It is. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly think he's he's really surmised the, the pro and cons. Are, what we talked about in 20 minutes, he's done in two sentences. 
I mean, Carson is like the co-host I never had. He is wise. <laughs> if, if he was the co-host, each podcast would be like 15 minutes, and we'd have like a thousand times more fans. It'd be, it'd be so great. All right. Next up, number two, Uruguay. All right, Uruguay. Now, definitely got some emails about this, Joe. Now, Uruguay, the the highlight for them is is not as interesting. And, and the highlight for Uruguay and Colombia is the same. They're both basically the same median age. They're, they're both have the age of 28.1. I know we're talking about Uruguay, but I'm just getting this out of the way. Because Portugal and England both had interesting facts, but neither of them really do. Um they both the born abroad is zero and three percent, so like most of the players are born in the countries. But the thing is, they both the foreign club percentage is like ninety percent for each of them. So, unsurprisingly, for the South American countries that we're getting to here, both Uruguay and Colombia, they are raising talent in South America and they are going elsewhere, mostly to Europe. But I'm sure some of them play in you know better leagues in South America, and you know purveying their skills elsewhere because these countries are just producing top level talent that the rest of the world wants because they're just factories i mean especially uruguay this country we're looking at right now because uruguay for such a small country produced has three top 40 players in the world i mean it's unbelievable luis suarez diego godin edison cavani which is amazing so the pros to watching this team are essential. It's, it's really star power like in an unexpected package. We're talking about a tiny team, the 31st out of the 32 teams, yet you're not sacrificing star power to root for this team. You're, you, get to, you get both in one. You get the underdog spirit, the, and how could, how could Uruguay not be an underdog being such a small country, but at the same time, you just have this unbelievable star power. You're not giving up the the skill of the team, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing at its core that makes Uruguay so interesting is just the size and the the historic quality of the team. Even though I know, I mean, we talked about this in the Uruguay episode, there there have been many World Cups they didn't qualify for or whatever, but like that, it, that a country this small has been able to produce such footballing quality over over a span of of generations is very impressive absolutely and boy they've got a great draw i mean they've got a real if they don't get out of this group that would be very very embarrassing having get playing russia saudi arabia and egypt although it is funny listening to the podcast how people talk about the russia thing where it's just like assumed that Russia is going to be like paying off all the refs in the games. Oh yeah, and it's just like a given. They're like, if you're watching a Russia game and it's like tied or Russia is down, like a obnoxious penalty is like going to be given to Russia. <laughs> that's just. It's not even like uh, a question. It's just no. It is baked into the odds and everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which is not so. So, what is Karsten's big pro for Uruguay? Well, I've got I've got a separate pro for for Uruguay, but I'll, I'll I'll read Karsten's first. All right. Well, I think Karsten was confused because he has, yes, Karsten was. Well, this might be the biggest con of all that he thought that Argentina was one of your choices and not Uruguay. Wow. He has a con for Argentina. 
Uruguay not mentioned. Well, yeah. So what's the con for Argentina? Let's hear it. He says, don't pick Argentina because, like I said, Messi looks like a troll. But then again, Messi is better than Ronaldo. So maybe Argentina is the pick for you. Done. All right. I'm not going to pick Argentina, Carson. Thank you. Thanks for the input. Okay. But here All we right. go. Tony making the case for Uruguay. It's my category, but Uruguay has the best anthem hands down. I still listen to it, and it comes up in my YouTube algorithm feed. Perfect sweet spot of Too Good, Too Bad, especially with their ridiculously easy group. The kit is awesome, iconic, and sky blue, which is the Joe pickingest color. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, look at Tony talking about the kit. Mr. Likes to complain about the kit category. Okay. All right, then. Wow, I think this kit... I think for some of the teams we talked about, the kit was boring, but this Uruguay kit, I mean, as we brought up on the episode, this was back when we were doing it, this kit is awesome. Like, I know, and it looks so good in FIFA, too. Awesome it looks kit. so good in FIFA. He keeps going. There was an invitation to go, and the food is basically meat and awesomeness. That's right. We did have a Uruguayan super fan. <sighs> yeah, what happened to that? I know. Wow. <laughs> it was one of our early episodes. He probably, I don't know, maybe he's, if you pick Uruguay, I'm sure he'll come back. And he concludes, also, sneaky good long shot for top goal scorers, Edinson Cavani, 22-1. to He topped the goal chart in South American qualifying, is going to rack up goals against Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt, and is basically guaranteed a knockout round game, likely against Portugal, who has problems with their central defense. Ooh, Tony says he's already invested some money on that. (laughs) Nice, okay. That's it. He, He makes a good point. You know what else is good about Uruguay? It's really fun to say Montevideo. It's true. Montevideo. And the 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 um the Sea of Silver or the, the River of Silver. It's just great. Other things that I think are great about it, Joe. If you're if you get the Uruguay kit, which I think you can safely get, because like if you order that Portugal kit. And then they lose to Spain, and then they lose to Morocco. By the time you get the kit in the mail, they might be out. So it's, That's true. It could be a That's bad true. one. <laughs> you get the Uruguay kit. You're almost guaranteed you're going to get to wear that for a group stage game. A, it's going to look good. B, you are going to be the only Uruguayan fan there. And I think people – like, I don't think anybody's going to talk shit about you being a, a Uruguayan fan. Because, like – a, if anybody talks shit to you, be like, well, if you don't believe in my choice, how about you listen to like six days of continuous podcast about it? Also, I mean, <laughs> that's right. But I'm definitely going to be the only Uruguayan. I, I mean, I think in Japan, they're just going to assume that I'm Uruguayan. Oh, that's true. You'll be in Japan. But <laughs> exactly. Well, even better. I'm The thing about your skin tone is I think you can pass for like almost anybody. Like you could easily pass for somebody in the Middle East. You could, I think you could easily pass for a South American. So, boom, you have your Uruguayan jersey on. You have your Uruguayan kit on. Obviously, in Japan, nobody's going to give you shit about it. But even if you were in the States, nobody would give you shit about it. And you just couldn't be accused of being a bandwagon fan. And frankly, they probably have, among of these teams, the best odds to advance. I, I mean, I think that the... Oh, I guess they they have... No, I guess they have the third best. They're behind both England and Portugal. But they absolutely with the puncher's chance at 28 to 1. I mean, it might be the best value pick, frankly, out of uh, 
out of these ones. And I think Tony makes a very good point about racking up goals in this really soft group. Yeah, I like it. That's a good bet, Tony. Uh, All right. Yeah, those are some really strong reasons. But why shouldn't I root for Uruguay? going to be tough to think of some cons for this i mean i would have loved to hear karsten's cons but he didn't even know about uruguay and i think i mean if i had to think of cons maybe uruguay is just it's almost like the opposite of the england thing you're you're not going to you're not going to find another uruguayan fan it's a tiny country there's there's probably not big uruguayan whatever in Seattle, there's probably not big Uruguayan fan bases anywhere. Um, you're, there's just not going to be real a real bandwagon effect. So you're sort of going to be on your own. I don't think their path is necessarily the easiest. It, whether they win or don't win the group, they've got um, they're going to have to play either Portugal or Spain, which is going to be a tough matchup. I'm just looking at on five thirty eight. Five thirty eight has them as uh, underdogs to either. Spain or Portugal. So I think the, the the knock on them would be they're just the type of team just based on the population, based on the fact that their profile isn't necessarily super high, though they do have top tier players, that I think they could sort of get eliminated from the tournament pretty quietly. And nobody, I don't think, I think if Portugal beats Uruguay in the group stage, really nobody's going to care all that much as opposed to some of the other teams, certainly England, for example, like everything England does is going to be high profile. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that that, that is the, the biggest knock on them is that, is that it's going to be a little bit hard to find coverage. It's going to be, you know, sort of, yeah, I'll be alone in a bar watching them. Uh, it's not, the communal aspect won't be there. I don't even think there are any Uruguayan restaurants in Seattle for me to go to. Yeah, and just just following up, like I'm just looking at the teams. Like I think each team just has more of a storyline than Uruguay does. Unfortunately, Portugal obviously, as we talked about, is Ronaldo, and that's just going to attack attention. England obviously attention, like from both the British press, which then the press it's the press coverage of the team itself gets its own coverage because it's so ridiculous right Right. exactly and of these teams like colombia i think after making the run they made four years ago sort of people have their eye on them like is this team going to be able to make uh, another run i think they might have the the best uh, they actually have the worst odds overall but i think they have like i think you're getting better money's worth out of Colombia than you are against Uruguay. Cause I think the, w- the style of play that Colombia has, well, well, we'll get into Colombia when we get into Colombia, but I, I, th- I do think that Uruguay of these teams is the lowest profile of the team, which could work for you or could work against you. Yeah, no, I think that is the biggest con. I think that's right. <sighs> Dan, our last team, Colombia, Colombia. Wow. I mean, this this episode we did so recently, so many things about this team were good, Joe. Shakira comes from there. Like, when Colombia is playing, just follow Shakira's Twitter feed. I mean, she might be releasing songs as she's going that are just about her emotions as they're playing, which will be very exciting. 
It's true. And I really, yeah, I mean, talk about communal. Rooting with Shakira for Columbia, I mean, seems fantastic. They made such an exciting run in the last World Cup. They, I mean, they just play this style of play like, I think... This is this is like um, when it comes to NFL teams. Like, there's always the the sort of um, there's a sort of player on a team like James Harrison is is an example that you like. Every time you play against him, you're like, God, I hate that James Harrison. He's such like a dirty, horrible player. But like, if James Harrison were on my team, I would be like, you know, sort of you like him. him. Yes. And I think Columbia is that sort of team. Like when they win, they're gonna win ugly. But I think they're gonna win, and I think they are. Like, their odds are the longest of all of these teams we've talked about at 45 to 1. But I do think they're the, the type of team that is capable of making these runs, as they did in the last World Cup. And the team really hasn't changed. Like, this is um, one of the podcasts I was listening to today was talking about this. But Columbia is, they're not an old team. They're just sort of an average level team. But their star players are still really young. It's just that they have, like, four more years of experience. Now, one of the teams I was talking about, which or one of the podcasts was particularly made the comment that like James Rodriguez like burst onto the scene four years ago and people had such high expectations of him and maybe he didn't continue growing at the level some had hoped for, but he's still pretty damn good, Joe. And, you know, Falcao is really good. And it's it's just basically a very – I think the stat on this was that this team is just so similar to the team at the last World Cup, just more experienced and ready to make another run. I mean, why not? So, And I think the thing about, about Colombia that's so interesting is that last year – or last World Cup, rather, was such a like uh, – Getting, you know, like we talk about getting shot out of a can. Everyone's super excited about Columbia. And this is really their year. Was that a fluke or is this a future football powerhouse? Absolutely. And this is their year, this is their year to define it. And I think if you're going to root for Columbia for one reason, you're, what, you're really, what you're really rooting for is for the future of Colombian soccer. And a, a future that right now is, is the best era of Colombian soccer ever, like by far. This is their like golden age. And it, you're right. It could, it, the 2014 World Cup could have been just the, the start of that and just saying, announcing them on the international stage, or maybe it was a fluke, you know? And if you were on this team, like this team, I think, like the Uruguayan team is like not as well known, I would say. Whereas this Colombian team, I, I do think there is like a built-in bandwagon, not just because I've listened to people specifically talking about wanting to root for this team. Bill Simmons is tweeting about this team. But it's just like, it's like a continuation of the fun bandwagon from 2014, which is cool. Like, Right. Everyone's excited if Colombia is doing well. Yeah. And the, their matchup, I mean, so they've also got a terribly easy group. So, I mean... The, they, they've got um, Poland, who's absolutely okay. But, uh, you know, the thing I was listening to in the podcast about Poland today that was analyzing that, apparently Poland has, like, the worst defense, like, of any team. But they have, like, a great offense. So, hey, <laughs> that's going to be, like, a high-scoring game, but which should be fun. And actually, you know, talking about fun uh, groups to watch, I think this 
every group game they play is actually going to be really fun because Japan is also a really fun team. As you were you learned while playing FIFA, but I actually listened to this podcast today. Like Japan is just a fun team to play. They play a lot of really fun and exciting games that score a lot of goals, but then they let in a lot of goals. So it's fun. And Senegal, you know, I, these African teams are always wild cards. You know, you you see it sometimes. The the African teams make a run. Sometimes they're terrible. And each one of those group games, I think, is really exciting. But Colombia will be favored in all three of them. And then Joe. Who would they play right out of the group game if things went to normal? England. So it's like if they if they win their group and England gets second place in their group, their group stage game is once again like you could be again, you'll be in Japan probably, but if you've got your your James Rodriguez jersey and you go to your England club, you'll be rooting against the English fans. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I think that with Columbia you just get a ton of fun matchups. Absolutely. And they can win. They can beat anybody. I mean, they can beat Brazil if if things go their way. The, their style of play, you know, they can they can you know make it a rough game. They can they make it hard for the other team to score. And they've got the star power up front to put the goals in there. And look, I mean, the other thing with with Colombia, let's just remember. I mean, we just did this team, but they scored very very highly in all of our categories. Yep, this was one of the top seeded teams that we had. So. If those categories are meaningful, I think, I mean, honestly, I think that's the biggest reason to pick Columbia is that, like, they were a clean sweep in the um, in the group stage, I think, or close to a clean sweep in the group stage. And they also did great on our original set of categories. So it's like, all throughout the process, they were just kind of hitting every note really well. And look, another fun fact... They beat one of the other teams in your final four in 2014. They beat Uruguay 2-0 with uh, a brace from James Rodriguez in the uh, in the what in the quarterfinal or no in the in the round of 16. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay, all right. That's a lot of good stuff about Colombia. Why shouldn't I root for Colombia? Well, according to Superfan Karsten. Don't pick Colombia if you don't like risky choices. They might be the most risky pick of the remaining four, but if they make a run, it will be the most exciting. Colombia has the worst betting odds of the final group, but the highest return. Since this is only a temporary team to cheer for, why not go with the high risk, high reward, Joe? Wow, look at this. I, I, I guess we should have known this based on the sodas he left and everything. I have faith in your pick, but hopefully you'll be cheering on Colombia for this World Cup. Viva Colombia! Blessed be the picks. Good pickings to you, Carson. So that is true. If you pick Colombia, you'll have somebody to root with for those group stage games. And probably that game against England will be before you leave. Oh, yeah. And I would love to watch these games with Carson. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Uh, wow. And what wow. about your cousin-in-law? Obviously, he's rooting for Colombia, as we know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can tell from the audio quality of, of my interview, but he does not live in the same city as me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you knew. He wasn't actually in studio for that. Well, Joe, based on the audio quality of our conversation, we also don't live in the same city because we've got <laughs> a little better technology than holding Very the speakerphone up to the microphone. Okay, let me ask you this about Columbia. Is similar to England in a different way, though? Is Columbia like the... Is Colombia the hipster pick right now? Like Belgium, a little bit. 
Uh, I are they are they the South American Belgium? I think you're absolutely dead on. Again, if if Bill Simmons is tweeting about it, it's like way too trendy. But yes, I believe that Belgium is a, is a hot pick. Um, it, it's like because I I think you get in this situation, and, and look, you have been picking yourself and you didn't pick any of the big four teams and like there are clearly a big four team brazil germany spain and france argentina maybe could be in the big five although i've been hearing a lot of people talking a lot of shit about argentina but you know nobody wants to jump on the bandwagon of one of those teams unless they're like connected to them but then Belgium is right there. It's next. And it's like, we were talking about it. Belgium has a star power. They're very, very good team, obviously. They've got the, the goal-scoring bet that you like. And that's it's definitely a huge hipster pick that people are getting on. But I think they're, you know, they're, it's a cynical pick where they're just not choosing one of the top four. And then they're like, eh, do I want Argentina or Belgium? Well, I know less about Belgium, so I'll just pick Belgium. <laughs> and Colombia is absolutely that for South America. Like, I think the real underground pick would be Uruguay, but I think the the hipster pick is, of course, the person who just watched the 2014 World Cup, and they were like, boy, that Colombia really made a run, and then they they hitch on the, the Colombia bandwagon again. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan. And literally, here, I'll just read you the uh, the Bill Simmons tweet. The, the absolute, he, he tweeted this two days ago, and this just shows how cynical the Columbia pick is. Needed a World Cup team because USA crapped the bed, so I bet on Columbia at 35 to 1. Which, by the way, is dumb odds anyway, because he could get 45 to 1. But anyways, also got a complimentary ticket on the James Rodriguez bandwagon. So, the liter- that's all you need to know about, about the Columbia hipsterness of the pick. So there we are, Dan. We've talked about the pros and cons of each of these teams. I mean, we've this is this is what picks giving is all about. We've really analyzed every angle. You know, the one thing that I've been thinking about over the last twenty four hours, as you know, in the reflection, the solemn reflection that one is supposed to partake in during uh, the uh, picks giving period, uh, is I feel like we've talked so much about these teams, and I've become so connected with these countries that I just want to think for a minute about, you know, I don't know if I want to stop rooting for this team after the 2018 World Cup. Mm. I mean, obviously the U.S. is is my primary team, but just like in a lot of sports, like it's okay to have a second favorite team. Definitely. And so I do want to think a little bit, a little bit about longevity. And I think that's where I think there's there's a risk with longevity with Portugal because Ronaldo's going to retire and Portugal might be terrible. Yes. There's a risk with longevity with Colombia because they may be a one-hit wonder for 2014. We may find out now that they're that longevity is not something that Colombia will have. And and I think just looking at their history, I, although, as we talked about in that episode, Colombia itself, yes. the country, is entering a new ev- level of stability, which may Correct. allow them to unleash it. But yeah, outside of 
they didn't qualify for 2002, 2006, or 2010. And then, you know, they came out like a rocket in 2014. But yeah, this is a this is a team that might be having a, a golden generation that then, uh, you know, then once once James Rodriguez and, you know, whatever, the current crop of players ages out or whatever, they go back to being mediocre. And look, they're still in this brutal South American confederation where, you know, you don't have much margin for error. And I think it's a similar risk with Uruguay, even though they they have been consistently better for longer and they've had other peaks, most notably winning the first World Cup. Uh, the size of the country, there there has to be some luck involved in producing the talent that they produce where eventually that talent won't always line up because you're not going to have a ton of people in the wings you know, at all times. Yeah, but I would say, boy, they've got some risk though, just because they are a smaller country. And they if you look at Uruguay's history, like obviously they were the best team. They they won their first two World Cups that they entered. So 1930 and 1950. But they've had, it looks like, like three different generational periods where they were really good and making it to the World Cup consistently, 62 to 74, 86 to 90. And then now from basically 2002 to 2014. And basically now is their peak outside of you know, the 60s and then, like, the 20s. But it does seem like they sort of go in fits and spurts, which isn't surprising for such a small country where it does, they do need the generations really to line up, the superstars to line up. And it does seem like they could easily, you know, when this generation does, you know, get too old to, to be as elite as they are, they, just because they're so small, like, it, it could, you know, be another 10 years before they, they grow some more superstars. Correct. Correct. And England, I think there's a risk with longevity too, just in the sense that even though Team USA, Mexico is our rival, I mean, when when, when the US plays England, it, it, it feels different. Like they're sort of also a bit of a rival for the US team. And there will be a time when England is not as Tottenham heavy. In fact, if England doesn't do well in this World Cup, I think sort of the experiment of having any team so heavily represented is going to be considered a mistake. Uh, so England is a risky pick because like, it's, it's very in the moment for me that there's so many Tottenham stars on this current club team. And rather. I think England is noted for a style of play, which you generally don't like, except for right. now they're probably not going to play it because they're, it's all Tottenham players. So, Dan, I think I'm ready to get rid of a team and say definitively that I will not be rooting for Portugal. Oh, I'm, I'm nervous, Joe. I don't know what you're going to say. It's too much based on one player. It's too much of a risk for longevity. I think... I love Ronaldo, and I'll continue to love Ronaldo, but I'm not rooting for Ronaldo. I'm, I'm rooting for a country. I'll tell you, it's a and real— Portugal just doesn't have it. It's a real shame, because I'll tell you, as we were going through this, I, Portugal was calling to me. <laughs> I mean, you should pick Portugal, Dan. You don't have to, you don't have to go with me, man. Joe, I, I'm, for this World Cup, I'm going to be with you. And, and look— I can still be a little bit with Portugal in spirit, but my money, and I think that my money is going to dominate my rooting interest once I make the bet. The official 
Picksgiving for me is going to finish with this bet uh, that you know I'm going to do live on the podcast after you make the pick. I can still, I'll still, of course, have Ronaldo in my heart, but I'm going to have to root against him for winning the Golden Boot. But they're dead to me, Joe. They're dead to me for the betting mm-hmm. and for my primary mm-hmm. interest. They're out. And look, as we talked about. That we can have like a ranked choice, and that's fine. I, I, it's not like I'm gonna. Yeah. I hate Portugal. I'm not suddenly gonna hate Portugal. Yeah. Exactly. I'm still gonna be. And when Portugal's playing, I'm gonna be hoping that Ronaldo scores 17 goals. As long as whoever I pick for the Golden Boot scores 18. What's it called when you score 17 goals in a game? I think it's called like a septuple brace. Yes, it's called a septuple brace. That's right. That's right. I remember. I remember that now. All right. Uh, actually, uh, maybe it's four score in a septuple brace. And frankly, Dan, I'm ready to eliminate another team now too. If you're ready for it, if, if you can can handle it, I'm ready right now. You're ready to eliminate another team. England's out. Oh my goodness! Wow. I'm not going to root for England this World Cup. Wow. It's it's too it's too easy. It's just too easy. Yeah, it's too. It's what I would have done had we not podcast. I would have said, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to root for England." There's a lot of Tottenham players. You're still going to be rooting for England, though. <laughs> I will be rooting for Harry Kane. Yeah, you're right. You'll be rooting for Tottenham. Yep. Uh, but if they conflict with with whatever team I pick next, I will not be rooting for England. Even I will be rooting for Harry Kane to miss. His shots. You'll never be able to do that. We'll see. <sighs> so, Dan, first of all, how exciting. I'm going to be picking a team from South America. You know, I was eyeing Portugal. But I, like you, if, if I were picking, I would have eliminated England fourth, just for the same reason, where I do think England is an intriguing pick. But it's just... We've we've done way too much work in these countries to pick England. Like, it, it's right, a shame. Right, it, it, right, it kind of right, honestly sucks right. for England that they didn't get a fair shake. But there's just it's it's just too it's too bad for them. You know, they're they're too 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 much the simple pick. So now this is it: Colombia or Uruguay. Do you have a prediction, Dan? Uh, well, the one thing I can say is that each of these teams were predicted by people, some of them numerous people. So there, there will be a raffle for that um, for that magnet set at the very minimum. It will not go to nobody. Wow. Wow. That's exciting. <sighs> All right. Uh, I mean, look. I think both these teams had such just strong reasons to pick them. I mean, Colombia has the had such a great round. We had such a good interview with the Colombian rabbi. Uh, and Uruguay, I mean, Uruguay was was an early episode that just stuck with us throughout, and is just they just have an impressive team, impressive story. I mean, they're the Green Bay Packers of. Of FIFA. And you know, one fun thing about Uruguay too is one of our favorite parts of the team. Well, you'll get to hear at the beginning of every match. 
That's right. That's right. It is a integral part of the World Cup pomp. Uh, well, Dan, I mean, this is it. This is the end of the road. Any any final words of wisdom? Any any uh, picks giving rituals that we need to create before one makes a pick? I'll tell you, my, I'm. I was just leaning one way, and then you just started talking, and I just now leaned the other way. But I, I'm in a weird picks giving situation where I am. I am merely latching onto your pick, which I think is an acceptable part of picks giving. Well, you have picked to go with my pick, which in itself is a pick. Absolutely, and it's and and I I'm feeling. Personally, you know, you said at the beginning of this podcast, you're feeling great. You're you're feeling good about your picks. I am feeling already an openness and a fondness for either of these teams. Like in my head, I'm just thinking of the reasons I'm going to be excited to root for these teams. So I'm I'm open. I'm I'm and I'm ready. It's interesting you say that because I feel like this is a much closer pick than our first season when when it, it came down to the Panthers and the Packers, you know, I, I, I was so confident about my pa- my Panthers pick by the time I made it. I feel like this is closer, but I don't feel sad about it being close. It's actually like a happy close. Like these are both great picks. Yeah. Well, I think one thing you've done here is there was clearly a type of team you were interested in. Like, I think you eliminated the two teams before that were most, distinct like these two teams are they're obviously very different in different ways the size sort of the style of play and everything but they are they do have much more similarities to each other than they did to either of the the two teams you eliminated i agree dan i think i'm ready to pick oh my god i can't believe it are you ready for me to pick i mean I'm it's like I'm sad. I'm sad that the podcast is going to end here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really 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 happy that the podcast is going to end here. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like I've been I feel like I'm going to have a new life starting tomorrow where I'm not going to have to worry about this podcast anymore. It's it's true. It's true. But it's it's sad. It's sad that it all is going to come down to one word that comes out of your mouth. And then that will conclude the podcast series. But <sighs> well, Dan, before we do, um, I know you had an important announcement about season three of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, I will never be podcasting again. <laughs> the next time you'll hear our voices recording will be for Fan Emeritus. PhD Josh's audiobook. <laughs> which he, we have secured an agreement. Our agents are still in conversation, but um, one of our big sticking points is we wanted to be able to uh, riff and improv during the reading, and uh, you know we've agreed on that point now. And you know, the amount of Zabrowka we are requiring, we're still we're still have a bit of distance between the two sides on that. We're still working it out. Well, I mean, the big sticking point right now is that we are insisting on one take, no editing. <laughs> While drinking lots of Zabrowka that they supply. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be the best audiobook reading ever. Okay. Dan, you ready to make this pick? Come on. People are waiting. People have shit to do. 
for the 2018 World Cup, Dan, I and you will be rooting for Uruguay. Wow. Joe, I, as you were saying it, that's what my heart wanted. I was highlighting it in my spreadsheet. I wanted it to be Uruguay. I mean, Dan, the players, the size of the country. I mean, such a small, tiny country with such history. The first World Cup, the kit, the national anthem, the food. I mean, Uruguay is just, it's the pick. Okay. Now, Joe, I don't know if this is good or bad in this pick's giving, but this was by far the thing that people predicted you were going to pick the most. Really? Christy. Oh, man. That makes me want to go back on I just now. finished the quarterfinals episode. wanted to write in with my prediction, Uruguay. Tony, I have not listened to the group stage episode, but Uruguay is my guess for the Magnets. Let me see. I think one other person picked it. Oh, Sean. P.S. My Magnet pick is Uruguay. Wait. Oh, yeah. Wait, which, which Sean? Uh, Superfan Sean. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Chris. P.S. Or, or not P.S. My prediction is that Joe will pick Uruguay. <sighs> wow. So that's four people. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So this was, I mean, this is a Uruguayan fan. This was our Uruguayan fan, Analia, who, who uh, was all about it. Just to let you know, I'm Uruguayan and listening to the podcast. You said there are no Uruguayans. Listen, we're a small country, but we're everywhere. And, you know, sends a whole bunch of positive things. So uh, I, I believe that, yes, those four people are, are in the raffle for the Magnets. Christy, right, well, I'm gonna raffle it off who got, right now. Who got in her response yesterday. Tony, who got in his response two days ago. Sean who got in his response three days ago, and Chris, who got in his response four days ago. Okay, so that's four. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else. Wait, didn't you say our Uruguayan fan predicted Uruguay? I, I don't think we had the magnet challenge oh, back then, but we might oh, have. got it. I don't think so. Got it. No, 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 that was way back. All right, so what was the order you said that in? So Christy, Tony, number one. Sean. Tony's two. Sean is three. And Chris. Chris is four. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a number between one and four. Ready? It is... Oh, number one with the late pick. Wow. Wow. All right. Superfan Christy. She's listening from the beginning. Longtime listener. First-time emailer. And she sneaks in right at the last second and takes All the right, magnets. Superfan Christy, send, send, us, send us your address. Uh, we won't send you a severed head. We'll send you the magnets. Um, yeah, I'm not going to email her. If she doesn't actually listen to the podcast, she doesn't get them. Then we'll go no. to a second pick. She has one week Chrissy, to claim them. You have, you have 15 seconds. Grab your <laughs> <Yeah>. buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> but if she, look, if she was supporting the Morocco bid, she's out. We're going to the next, <laughs> That's next right. person. That's right. That's right. So she gets uh, a pair of... A set of magnets from WC Magnets. You'll get it by um, the 2022 World Cup. Uh, and uh, Dan, pl- good I'm, pickings to you, I, whoa, my whoa, friend. Whoa. I'm, I'm placing my bet right now. I've got the $100 in my account, so I'm putting $50. Oh, my God, Joe, to win $1,400. Wow. All right. Wow. Putting in the bet, review bet, 
place bet. Woo-hoo-hoo! Place, Joe. And now, I think I have a choice here. I think I have a choice for top goal scorer. I do have a choice. I've got Suarez at 22 to 1 and Cavani at 22 to 1. Oh. Oh, Dan. I mean, I've done so much picking today. I mean, Joe, I'm not as I think I'm just going to put 25 on each. I, th- I think that's right. Okay. 25. A non-pick. My favorite type of pick. 25 on Suarez to win $550. Although this is going to the problem is it's going to like change my rooting interest because I'm going to be like, no, Suarez, don't shoot past the Cavani. <laughs> but that's, yeah, I'm doing it. All right. I've got the $25 bet to win 550 done for Suarez. And then I'm, I'm changing my ESPN alerts right now to make sure that I get alerted when Uruguay's playing. Oh, my God. And I've got twenty-five dollars to win five hundred fifty on Cavani. Our first game, Dan, is five in the morning on Friday. Let's, let's see the schedule. Oof, these are all brutal hours. Five in the morning tomorrow. Oh, to, or it already is tomorrow. Oh my God, Joe! It's the day of the World Cup. It's happened while we we're recording this podcast. Oh my God. And then the Saudi Arabia game at eight. I mean, I they better pile and pile up the goals in that one. And um, Russia on Monday, a long time from now, a couple weeks. This is exciting, Joe. I'm excited. Do you think uh, Suarez is going to bite anybody? I I mean, we can only hope. We can, only, we can hope, only hope. We're hoping he bites somebody but gets away with it, doesn't get caught. I hope he gets caught and FIFA rules that it is okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hope more than anything. Uh, Egypt, Uruguay. It's like, it's like my ancestry versus my new team. It's going to be amazing. And, uh, you know, Mo Salah is going to be like recovering. Uruguay is going to rough him up a little bit. <laughs> Oh, definitely. There's going to be a hard tackle right at the beginning. Poor guy. You know, I would feel bad, but like, look, that's Uruguay. You know, they're going to play the style of play they need to win. Uh, This is exciting. I love all these bets. God, Joe, if if they win and then either of the two wins the top goal scorer, I'm going to come away with over $2,000. That's going to more than offset the cost of this podcast. Dan, I can't wait to listen to the Uruguayan national anthem. Oh my god, I should have it queued up. Well, we're definitely, we're definitely. Um, the outro is going to be the Uruguayan national anthem. Absolutely, hundred percent. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure. I, I I don't even know what to say. It's been it's been so grueling these last three days. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, it's been so fun though. And I mean, I, I, it's just hard to say. I just I feel like this Thanksgiving came to a great choice. I think our choices were prosperous, and I, I think it's just a great podcast series, Joe. I just it was fun. It's been so much fun. Happy Thanksgiving, Dan. Happy Thanksgiving, and I do have to, Megan. As I was walking. 
downstairs was, you know, she's very upset at me, something about the dishes or something, I don't know. And she said, if I didn't thank her on the podcast, she would be doubly as upset. So thank you, Megan. Oh, that's, I would, I would thank Liz, but there's zero chance she'll listen to me. But this, these last few days have, have tested the uh, strength of my marriage with how much podcasting yeah, this is, to do. This is tough. <laughs> and, you know, while, while we're thanking people, thanks so much to the fans emeritus who sent in all of this research, Joe, which was amazing. All of the voicemails, all of the emails, the magnets you got in the mail, the, the, our music laureate making the, the theme music. It's true. It's true. I mean, this season was such a team effort from everyone, from all of our super fans. It was really, I mean, just, it couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better. Even the, the Iceland, the country of Iceland tried to, tried to sway your, your pick, you know, in a, in a failing effort. It's true. It's true. You know, one, one bit of fan emeritus business, super fan Karsten asked me if we would pick a premier league club for him to root for. Uh, it's been months since he asked. I wanted to do it on the podcast, but I haven't. And it's not because I forgot. It's because as I've talked to him, I've realized he knows what team he wants to root for. He's already picked in his heart. And I don't even know if I want to say it out loud. I just, you know, Karsten, you know, you want to be rooting for Brighton and Hovalvian. It's, it's your team. It's, it's where your family's from. Is that a team? I don't know if you're yeah. speaking in riddles or not. No. And you get two. You get Brighton and you get Hove Albion. I've, I've I mean, never even heard good. of that. They're like a, they're like a lower uh, table team, but they're fine. They're fine. All right. Well, we're, <laughs> this podcast is going as down <laughs> as, as I could possibly imagine. But you know what? You're just you're getting in all the picks you can. during. This is it. This is this is what you do at the end of Picksgiving. You just start picking random things. Hmm. I wonder what I'm going to eat for lunch tomorrow. When does that first game right. start? Are you going to tune in for it? Uh, absolutely, Dan. I mean, it's the first game of the World Cup, of course. But it's like the worst matchup ever. Saudi Arabia against Russia. <laughs> I know. They could have picked a better team. Come on. Yeah, but how about this, Joe? Oh, my goodness. What fate. Outside of that. I, I think the Egypt-Uruguay match is the, the earliest otherwise match. But I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Now, I, I shouldn't. I'm, I'm going outside the research. No, that is the second game being played. That's, yeah, that's correct. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. So uh, Uruguay might get that second win in the books before anybody else. All right. You know, hope for a, a hat <laughs> trick for both uh, Suarez and Cavani. A septuple brace for, for both, all around. Yeah. Boy, that'd be great if they went 30 to nothing. Anyways, I guess uh, a, a bit, bit of a fond farewell to the, to the podcast and, and you, Joe. I won't see you for a couple yeah, months. I'll, I'll talk to you in a few months, Dan. Yeah. Well, one last thing to note is that we did cross two hours again, so <laughs> we did it. Of course. Of course. Dan, good pickings to you. And... Your choices were prosperous, Joe. Amen. See ya.
Yeah. 